the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Back in the early 70s, there was a show called The Flip Wilson Show, and he used to say, the devil made me do it. Does the spirit make you do anything? Let's talk about that coming up next. Who is the Holy Spirit, and what does he do, and what does he not do? That's the subject of our time throughout the rest of this week here on Truth For Today. It's a lesson on the Holy Spirit, where he will never lead you and where he will always lead you. This is Truth For Today. Pastor Phil Howard takes us to Galatians chapter 5 today, verses 16 through 21. We start off with where the Spirit will never lead. With today's program, here's Pastor Phil. I'm going to deal with the vices that the Spirit of God leads us away from. That if we walk in the Spirit, he said there's 15 things we won't do. And so I've entitled the message, Where the Spirit Will Never Lead You. And next week, I'm going to speak on where the Spirit will always lead you. And so uh, let's look at the text. Galatians 5, 16. So I say, live by the Spirit. It's really walk by the Spirit. Order your manner of life. And you will absolutely not, very strong in Greek, it's a double negative, you absolutely will not gratify the strong desires of the sinful nature. And that's probably better. Every time we see lust, we make it uh, sensual or sexual, but it's strong desires is the idea. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. I want to do good, but I wind up doing less. Romans 7, this constant battle. Isn't it easy to write out what you want to do next week that's all noble, and you get to the end of the week, and if you did 2 out of 10, you feel good? Why is it so hard to always do the good you want to do? Well, uh, life, conflict, but there's a nature in there that wants to keep you from it. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. Now, let me set this up for you. The whole book of Galatians uh, has been leading to this point. Something you want to watch. Every religion has a set of ethics, do's and don'ts. But Christianity never starts with ethics. It always starts with the dynamic work of God on behalf of you. And the dynamic that has been developed in this book is Christ has really satisfied God's wrath regarding our sins, that we are right before God on the basis of faith alone in Christ, and that we have received the Holy Spirit at conversion. And something I think we often forget, the Holy Spirit is Christ's gift to the church for which he had to go to the cross. 
And if you ever read John 14 through 16, Christ keeps saying, I must go away. I must go to the Father. Why? So that I could send you additional help just like me. I'm going away, but I will pay the price for the Spirit of God to work in my church forever. So Christ, part of salvation is, he bought you the ministry of the Spirit of God that works constantly in the child of God. So now we get to, he's going to tell us what that Spirit will do for us. The Spirit working in us leads us away from certain activities, and he produces other kinds. I love Proverbs 8. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil and to do good. There's always this kind of negative, positive. He leads me away from what's negative. He produces what's positive. And so I'm going to delve a little bit for you on these 15 works of the flesh just to give you a definition so that when you do it, you know what you did better because now you could define it. And before you do that, turn with me to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 12, which is uh, Paul writing to a church. And notice what he says to them. 2 Corinthians 12. I'm listening for paper. You have to turn it. Uh, Chapter 12, verse 19. Have you been thinking all along that we have been defending ourselves to you? We have been speaking in the sight of God as those in Christ. And everything we do, dear friends, is for your strengthening. For I am afraid that when I come, I may not find you as I want you to be, and you may not find me as you want me to be. I fear that there may be quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, factions, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorder. I am afraid that when I come again, my God will humble me before you, and I will be grieved over many who have sinned earlier and have not repented of the impurity, sexual sin, and debauchery in which they have indulged. Practically every work of the flesh that is mentioned in Galatians, he says, I'm afraid I'm going to find this kind of behavior going on among you Corinthians who despise my ministry. So he had to warn the church of this kind of behavior. Let's look at it. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Four categories. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. All in the area of sensuality, sexuality, misused. Then he names two religious sins. Idolatry and pharmakia, witchcraft. Then he names eight relational sins. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. Then he names two reveling, I call the party sins, a drunkenness and orgies. So he breaks it down in four different categories. Sins of abusing sexuality in some way. 
sins in the religious realm, primarily idolatry. Sins and works of the flesh in how we relate and think about one another, relational. And then he comes to that final thing of drunkenness and orgies and the partying that comes along usually with drugs and drinking. So I thought it might help you if I just walk through and give you a handle on these. They may uh, seem so self-evident, but I think sometimes when we do this, we can do what the psalmist said in Psalms 139. Search me, O God, and see if there be any wicked way in me. Search me. Know what's working. I find in the church what kills more Christians than big, big sins we call sexual sins, maybe drunkenness. You'll see this party spirit, these relational things that eat up the life. Maybe the thing that destroys more relationships. So perhaps just getting a definition, we would at least know how to repent and know how to say, there's a wrong attitude in me. Do you think you could ever be living with a wrong attitude? Thank you, Peter. The rest are just, don't even move, freeze. Could you ever be wrong in the way you're thinking about people? Well, let's take the journey. First of all, sexual immorality. It's our word for pornography. And uh, this word was literally used of sex for sale, and it was primarily by slaves. They sold slaves. Uh, a party, the religion of the day, was to have slaves who were set apart to be temple prostitutes, slavery, prostitution. I know being in the city of Corinth, once I, I was going to see some of the ruins and you come to this library there, and they have a footprint believed to go to the first century that one turned this way, and the other went straight ahead. And it said, if you don't have money, turn right. This is the idea of it. And if you do have money, go straight. And going right was the entrance to the library. Going ahead was the way to the brothel. And right above the city of Corinth was uh, a thousand women set aside for sex and religion in the temple of Aphrodite. So that the Greco-Roman world was permeated with debauched sexual attitudes, much like we have become. Uh, and that uh, uh, sexuality was lawless chaos. Uh, it was a world that what Christianity brought to the Gentile world, the Jewish world had restraints because of the law uh, Christianity, according to many scholars, one of the great things it brought to the Gentile world was an idea of sexual purity, of chastity. This did not even exist as an expectation or a norm. Why? They had a guy by the name of Plato. And Plato uh, believed the body was evil. He was a Gnostic. And if you hear people say, well, they have a platonic relationship, that means they have a mutual likeness without any touch, uh, without anything physical. And to be platonic 
was to take the view the body is evil. Well, if the body is evil, anything I do with it is evil. And they even denied that Christ had a body because matter, flesh, blood is evil. So they developed a whole philosophy that human sexuality is dirty. Now, on the other hand, mystery religion, which was prominent this time, worship of Baal, Ashtar, Diana, uh, and d- uh, different cult worship, they said sex was simply an appetite, that it should be satisfied anywhere, anytime you had it, for there were no moral restraints, and so help yourself whenever you want. And in the Greek world of this time, uh, the wealthy Greek or Roman man had three women in his life. He had a mistress for sexual pleasure, had a concubine that was a woman who took care of physical chores and occasional sexual favors, and then he had a wife to have children by so they weren't illegitimate. So it was assumed if you were a Roman senator, you had one for children so they weren't illegitimate, you had another woman around the house, and you just snap the finger, uh, one for pleasure. That sexuality was full-blown, no restraints. All of a sudden, Christianity begins to take hold, and we find out several things. First of all, sex is good. God made the body. God made us for sexuality. Two, radical. But sex has to be within boundaries. And the divine boundaries was marriage. Now, you get some people today say, you Christians are so prudish. You're all hung up on sex. No, when it's biblically taught, we can celebrate what God created. Can we talk about what God was not afraid to create? Can you talk to your kids about sex? You ought to. Um, And what's happened in the church, platonic views were taken, and sex was made evil, bad, less than right. Even the celibacy of the priesthood that Rome practices, it is a horrendous burden and not an ounce of Scripture for it. And it has created chaos in the Roman church. Um, And so the Bible winds up saying it's good, but it must be used in the proper place within the bonds of marriage. And so sex outside of marriage was forbidden. This was totally against everything this culture said. And telling them, you see, hear this. Anytime you think we contemporarily are out of step with culture, remember this. Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. The the three greatest religions in history, mainly centered out of Jerusalem, let's say, the Near East, all three of those religions from 1400 B.C. up to 100 A.D., Islam 600 A.D., have always said, Sex was the privilege of the married. And all sex beyond that boundary was prohibited by God. 
All three of those, they've been saying this for thousands of years. This is nothing new. It's just a culture that wants to abandon all norms. So he says, we know the Spirit will not use you and lead you to use your body in sexual activity outside of marriage. That's what he's saying. And that is anathema in our culture who has, you either tend to deify sex or you deny its function. So, he says, we know the acts of the flesh will be sex outside of marriage, which God says is against my plan all the way. Then he goes on to a word here that uh, calls it, uh, the word is really impurity, and it's used of just a dirty body or a dirty wound. It was used uh, of medical. Just, you got a dirt, dirty place on your hands. Then it was used of ceremonial uncleanness. That you hadn't washed your hands before you went to the temple. Something in that realm. But then it came into the realm of morals. And it just meant uh, you're soiling, you're dirtying something God made to be clean. And primarily in this context, I believe it's in the realm of the use of the body, sexuality. Other words, uh, sex is a wonderful gift from God, but can it be dirtied and soiled and corrupted? Well, the question is absurd. I mean, did you know we make more money selling pornography than Hollywood makes on their movies in a year. And what is pornography? Selling a body and an image for a sexual experience with someone not your wife, tantalizing the mind, and soiling the whole thing. It's a great book. Naomi is her first name. She wrote The, the Beauty Myth about women and how beauty has destroyed our concept of women and is destroying men. goes this way. She says uh, uh, how the marketplace is the one way that men still control the marketplace is the prettiest girl will be hired. That is the bias. The gal with the best figure will be hired. And so you've got a control there. And she develops in her thesis. Now, she's a feminist. I can't think of her last name right now. I think it's uh, Naomi Wolf. Wolf sounds good right now. For now, that's it. But it's called The uh, Beauty Myth. I've got the book. Look it up. I'll share it with you. Uh, Is that on one hand, we could tell the little uh, girl that's a little chubby, little figure, there's something wrong with you. You're not marketable. Well, let's not talk about your personality. Let's not talk about your intelligence. Let's not talk about your human being. You just don't pass the litmus test of what sells women. Good figures, nice breasts, and beautiful faces. Because that's all you're worth. And then men come over here addicted to pornography, which is images without a personality, without a relation to God, And we've corrupted even our girls and what is expected. Could a girl ever have been 10 pounds overweight? 
You haven't decided, have you? Or do you have to be just the right dimensions and you've got to at least be a B-plus student? I tell you, it is absurd the way we devalue human worth. The beauty myth. And it plays big in this whole matter of pornography, vulgarity, sensuality. Third thing he says, he talks about the word here, debauchery. And that word was used of abandoned, uh, it's hubris. uh, A love of sin so reckless and so audacious that a man ceased to care what God or men thought. Uh, I think it's a gay parade where you go nude. You don't care what anybody thinks. You're just going to flaunt it. A gal working the streets, flaunting the body for sale. Others, there are no restraints. There is no blessing. There is no... And he said, the flesh is full of this kind of activity. And he says, these are the acts of the flesh. Now he moves into the religious sins. Idolatry and witchcraft. And of course, idolatry, they were full of idols, temples. And... uh, He moves in Scripture from just the idol temple and place that he moved it over to very being the act of greed, that covetousness leads to idolatry. I think uh, not only temple idolatry, but the elevation of anything that surpasses the worth of God in your life. Anything that can be taken as the place of worship, and fixation that takes your money, takes your time, gets your body, whatever that might be. But of course, this was strongly temple worship in their days. We come over with more of a mental image, uh, bowing down to some other God other than the true and living God. And then he uses this word witchcraft, which was the word for poison, really, or pharmakia. And it was used of... uh, Drugs for potions, uh, seances, uh, discerning uh, supposedly the mind of the gods by means of drugs. And so some have connected it with many other kinds of sins. Some have even attached it to abortion because drugs were used uh, in a great way, even in that culture for abortions. Uh, that's, I think, the primary meaning is religious incantations, uh, the use of drugs, uh, fragrances, anything to induce the worship of the spirit world. So it's interesting, is it not, that the flesh, our sin nature, will find something to worship. Did you know the flesh is religious by nature? And that according to the word in the tribulation period, men will bow to an image. Of course, economic blessing is tied to it. You take the mark of the beast, you get to buy and sell. But men will worship anything but God by nature. They'll worship themselves. Ours is a culture of two things that predominate today's culture. By the way, if you're over 50, the culture's changed. And we don't just stand outside here and look at it. We're right in the middle of it. Two prevailing views of all that's going on. Narcissism, which says, we love ourselves. We are in love with me. Going to the Greek myth, 
that Narcissus saw himself in a pool of water and he fell in love with the image. And that's us. Self-love, pleasure, me, mine. And then alongside of that today is relativism that says there are no absolutes. You make the rules up as you go. And once again, we've come to the end of our time together here today on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. As we lock things up for another day of broadcasting, we do so with a a way to contact us here at Truth For Today. If you have a question, a prayer request, comment, we would love to pray for you. If you have a praise report about how the program is encouraging you in Christ, we'd love to hear that as well. A couple of ways to reach out to us. The easiest, of course, our phone number, 855-833-9864, or our website, truthfortodayradio.org. Now, you have another way to reach out to us, and that is, especially if you have a question or a praise report, that you would like Pastor Phil to answer. Well, simply take your voice memo app on that smartphone of yours, record your question along with who you are and where you're calling from, and then email that bit of audio to us at tftquestions at valleybible.org. Again, the email address is tftquestions at valleybible.org. So email that to us. We'll run it by Pastor Phil, and should we use it on the radio, we'll even let you know when. And as always, you can again reach out to us at our website, truthfortodayradio.org, or by calling 855-833-9864. You can also write to us, 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. As you partner with us financially, bear in mind that we are able to continue this radio ministry through you doing just that, joining other friends and family members of this ministry to ensure that this program continues its ministry in the greater Bay Area. Please consider that as you reach out to us, and then join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Blessed be the name.